My favorite thing to do is start recording with food jammed in my mouth. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really professional. It's yeah. so our first recording since the, the blizzard happening, the Christmas blizzard. And um, I think it was, it was made very clear during the pandemic that the wheels are falling off. Our American society, right? Um, this, in our little microcosm that, that was made more real this past week, it seems like from elected officials, the expectation is you need to be a prepper. You need to have some kind of preparation for weeks on end of any kind of disaster that uh, the uh, uh, municipality or the state is unwilling or unable to uh, assist you with. We've got some, uh, that's 2023, we've got some top new products for all you preppers out there. Uh, Jim, I think you've, you've got a, a really good idea. Yeah, um, uh, it's, you know, to really get through, like it, it, to, for me to get through the blizzard, I, I happen to have some of these lying around. Uh, CREs, you've all heard of MREs. MREs, yeah. Uh, CREs are cigarettes ready to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a meal replacement, really. Right, yeah. If you think about it. Um, so I've got uh, freeze-dried Frank's Red Hot. Mm-hmm. Little, little packets you can put in your, in your freezer. Right. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Post-apocalypse, you know, like you really want that kick. That kick. You got to have a little spice in your life. Right. When you're, when you're like, you know, killing your fellow man <laughs> for a source of protein, right. you and really yeah. want like- You want to remember Eli Manning so, saying, I put that shit on everything. So, <laughs> so are we saying that human flesh goes well with Frank's Red Hot? We're not not saying it. Right. Uh, <laughs> prove that it doesn't. <laughs> oh, God. No. It, just, just make sure you have like a smoker that doesn't require uh, electricity just to make the make meat nice and tender. So big news at the end of the year, fusion re- uh, power mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. big. Personal fusion reactors. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means, but I mean, it sounds good. The power of the sun, baby. Oh. I think it's either that or have a generator give you carbon monoxide poison. Now, would you somehow bionically take in the power of the sun and harness it mm-hmm. like an X-Man? Um, I, I'll have to work on it in the basement. Okay. Maybe the garage. It might be a bigger pr- garage project. Because we could just skip the middleman. You could become yeah. your own source of power mm-hmm. now. I yeah. Mean, you, I mean, you'd become your own personal generator. Well, the Matrix did it, right? Right. Yeah, I guess Do- you're right. Dr. Snake Manhattan. <laughs> should be putting that in your Corvette. Yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really fast on. Yeah, I'll take the squirrels out and put myself in. <laughs> the sun. The it. Yeah, the sun. Okay, so say you lose power, you lose internet. Uh, printouts of social media posts mm. so you can still doom scroll mm-hmm. you won't miss a beat you know we'll, yeah. we'll make them general enough that, that uh, they, they won't be anachronistic maybe we could uh we could contract with uh senator mayor commissioner dpw ben carlisle uh to do a book <laughs> of his tweets <laughs> oh that'd be uh that'd be one way for him to make income right now yeah yeah right now that he's be good he's had to, he's had to move to the great state of Florida. Yeah. Where no, no natural disasters happen. No. Right. Then, ship, ship shape. Yeah. Yep. It's never, never a problem. <laughs> so smart move on his part. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure he's, he's living in a lean-to in Fort Myers right now. And he only, he only does smart moves. That's right. That's it. And uh, probably the most freedom out of anyone I know mm-hmm. he has right now. Indoor disposable fire pits. I figure if, you, if your heat goes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a new one from I mean from the Acme Corporation. If, if you if you want anything's an indoor fire pit, <laughs> that's true. You can dispose yeah. of really anything. If yeah, you really can. Right. Uh, it, it all works on the concept that you have a kitchen sink that's made of metal mm. and uh, have have some kind of ventilation overhead. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be tough for me. My kitchen sink's made out of press board. Oh no! Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any other new products that I'm forgetting, guys? Oh, these are these are from your brain, pal. Oh, I mean, you okay. Know, you you tell us. All right. Well, you report back to us and the listener. You know, as as we live in Hell World. Yeah. You know, we from the mind of Snake. 
Well, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go as far as to say it's hell world. It's maybe purgatory world. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say purgatory. You think we're not in the bad place, but we're in the. I, I often wonder, but I'm. I'm gonna remain optimistic on this one. We're in like a persistent timeout. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like the rest of the world evolves, yeah, and we, we just we're clearly not feeling you know the love of God right now, but we're not uh, getting you know poked up the ass with you know, fiery sticks. And welcome back to the square. <laughs> 2023, baby. We are not yet getting poked in the ass by fiery sticks. We're back. Um, you know, we we got a lot to talk about today. But joining us, we have our friend, Dr. Jason Knight. Hello. I don't know how many times I've been on the show, but glad to be back. Mm-hmm. We needed someone with exceptional griping abilities. Yeah, I mean, I can today. gripe with the best of them. Yeah. Right? Oh, you, you but are. I try to do it rationally and, you know. <laughs> of course. Not... Mm-hmm. You know, that's assumed personally, right? Yeah, right. I, I get all my irrational gripes from checking out the local next door uh, <laughs> posts. <laughs> and yeah, we the rest of the gang is all back here. It's re on the ones and ones and two. I never knew what that meant when they said on the ones and twos. Is I think, that like a musical I think thing? It's the beat, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're if you're um, can we, you're the can DJ. we get a, a uh, Uncle Diamond Jimmy, Uncle Diamond, Jim, Uncle Baby Billy Diamond Jimmy. <laughs> Well, clearly you didn't re- listen to the sketch. I listened sketch to a little episodes. bit. So I listened to some of the skits. I just, you know, I'm just happy. I, my attitude in 2023 is just to be happy. Of course. You know, I, I want you to do your thing, spread your little wings. Yeah. And I, I listened to a bit of them. I, I'm not the skits and bits guy. You know, it's 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 these two creative geniuses. But oh, I, 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 I was like, I'm, I'm happy for you. But we're, we're bringing the hard news, man. We're bringing the, thank, right, Snake? Thank, thank you, Reed. Thank you for that. Yeah. The claps. Mm-hmm. But I'm but I'm happy that we had the skits and bits. But housekeeping before we get into the griping. All right. 2023, New Year, same us. We're gonna be the same beautiful genius haters, losers, but also winners. All right. And it was it sounding very Donald Trumpish? Yes, because he's back. <laughs> he's he's back and so are we. Um no, but seriously, we uh, appreciate everything that I don't think we got a 2022. We appreciate our friends, fans, whatever. I hope we got to do that at the Christmas party. That was an awesome time to celebrate before everything went to complete shit. Um, so we appreciate everybody's support. Continue rolling into the new year and beyond. If you like us, if you really, really like us, give us money. That's what you do. All right. We're in a capitalist society. You can fucking take your socialism. That's wonderful. But give us those greenbacks. All right. Dollars, pesos, whatever currency really that. I don't know. We'll send on the internet. Support us at patreon.com. Search for the Square Podcast. It's not that hard. You can find us. Also, if you like talking to like-minded people, because Elon Musk's Twitter is, well, dog shit. It's a hellscape. I I can't escape it. After like that Andrew Tate guy got got, I decided I'm never leaving that website. Yeah. But. Also, you're never ordering pizza again. (laughs) Wow. Never. Not when a camera's around. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Not when a camera's around. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk to like-minded people where it's not on the Twitters, come to our Discord. Square Podcast Discord, it's always popping, always rolling. Our boy Gavin, uh, Gavin Drinks Hayburner, is the moderator extraordinaire. So it's it's fun, it's interesting, and you'll be hip to what's going on here in Buffalo and Western New York. Welcome to the current moment, though, friends. <sighs> the blizzard of 22. Hardly knew you. It's like sixty degrees now. It's 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 gone from my mind. 
Gone but not forgotten. No, it's not forgotten today. We are going to be talking about it extensively today, Jason. Let's let's kind of put this in this proper context because we had what some called a snowpocalypse mere weeks ago, and to have a all time historical blizzard like your lifetime, Jason. What, you you ever seen any shit like this? The wind, no. The level of I mean, obviously we've seen tons of the snow, right? I mean, we've seen feet upon feet of snow even in this last two months but never the wind that came with it but you know blizzard is just a definition of wind speed really i mean it doesn't make anything really other anything other than that really different from what we're normally used to and my mom asked me if i was do i remember the blizzard of 77 and i said ma i was two years old (laughs) like no i don't i don't remember at all yeah yeah, I mean, the snow is what it is. We all dealt with fucking, you know, tall mounds of snow. You just go out and shovel it. You move it around. It's fine. Goddamn wind. House is shaking. Like, I really felt like this is it. This is going to be the one. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was 60 miles. It wasn't 60. Yeah, it was, it, yes, was it, it 60? Was. Yeah, yes, it was 60. Like, gusts up to, like, 80. Like, uh, it's, it, I described it because I had to take, you know, my little Pomeranian. You know, he, he that doesn't know how to use the toilet yet, and... And I, I wanted to just hang his ass out the window like an air conditioner, but he wouldn't go for it. Um, so I had to take him out, and it was like, it, like if you were getting hit with a sandblaster, except they're using little pellets of snow. I mean, it was just amazing, like how like the snow was able to get into everywhere, and and just how fucking cold and, and windy it was. You know, like furnace was just right, basically running the entire time. Everybody's gas was gonna be crazy. Nysig is gonna like, print money this month. Well, you were telling me that uh, Ernest, your your Pomeranian, was doing his business and uh, he got knocked right over. Yeah, yeah. It, it he he was he was actually enjoying like the blizzard because he's a psychopath uh, <laughs> and he loves going out there until he finally had to go uh, do number two and then he you know he hunches over like dogs do and the wind was so strong that it knocked his little thirteen pound body over <laughs> in the middle of his shit. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> He was just—he just—he fucking just timbered, or like t- fell right over while he was trying to take a shit. <laughs> My, we've all been there. <laughs> the actual storm itself—I mean, it was surreal to experience, to you know, deal with. And if you're listening to this, you've probably experienced it yourself, or you were part of it. Um, but for those of us who weren't in Buffalo at the time, or those of our friends who are listeners to the pod, uh, it was—I mean, it was just as bad as you saw in the newspaper or on the internet or whatever. Uh, truly horrific stuff. I actually had to walk. I had to walk over a couple blocks to feed um, my buddy Kyle. Actually, he's a listener. Hey, Kyle. Uh, I had to feed feed his cat Gus mm. on Christmas Eve. It's made it, you made it sound like you had to feed Kyle. Like <laughs> like he won't eat unless somebody baby birds him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Kyle can eat on his own, but Gus the cat cannot. So I had to walk two blocks, and I had to go, and it was like a fucking war zone, man. It was like some life after people shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Cars abandoned in the middle of the street. I mean, justifiably so. I don't be driving. And if you got caught in the middle of driving, like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Car's not worth it. So it was only two blocks, but it felt like, you know, might as well have been five miles. It was pretty bad. But, all right, whatever. Snow, blizzard. We get it. We're from Buffalo. We're uh, whatever weird wine mom Facebook meet. We're tough. We can deal with this. Blah, blah, blah. I would say two most important things for me, guys, are first, the lead up, and secondly, the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a, lot, a little timeline on the lead up. How did you feel? What, what did you feel was sort of the tenor? If you had to read the room pre-Blizzard, what was sort of the messaging that we were getting? Was this going to be like an all-time 
I mean, I think that what what I was getting, yes, it was. I mean, I remember okay. I, I, you know, I, you know, the National Weather Service doesn't issue blizzard warnings very often. It had been like twenty years since they issued one in Buffalo. You know, so like I was getting, I got that. I, I saw that. I was taking that pretty seriously. I, I honestly, I do think, you know, I've got some criticisms of the county executive's office a little bit, like everybody does, but I do think that that it seemed like the county executive's office was taking it pretty seriously, like they were promoting it pretty heavily. Um, there was less coming from the city of Buffalo. And almost nothing coming from the state, it seems like. Uh, but the National Weather Service, I mean, look, the NFTA was taking it very seriously. They were shutting down the airport. They were canceling flights days ahead of time and just telling people like, hey, you're coming in from Chicago. No, you're not. You know, like, or, hey, everybody everybody who thinks they're flying from Boston to Buffalo, raise your hand. Not so fast. Literally every fucking person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay, so I felt like we heard it was going to be, you know, generation we heard it was going to be pretty bad but you're right i think that um it almost felt like the city of buffalo was was mum on this or i don't know jason what do you think man i mean i think i when, i guess when we look at it if, if we're lifers in this town like i didn't take it maybe as seriously as it ended up being i think the reality was i looked at the news um you know, it said once in a lifetime, and I'm like, well, we just had that, like, last month. Yeah. But then, you know, you're hearing the term blizzard, but I, even then, it's like, I talked to a national reporter, and I said, you know, I think we pride ourselves on being tough and gritty and blue-collar, and when we see the snow, we're like, oh, here we go again, right? I mean, it's not much of an issue. So I kind of, like, sort of downplayed it on my own. I, you know, I woke up on Christmas, I went out uh, Christmas Eve, right? That was Friday? Yeah. Or Friday was the 23rd, right? Yeah. So yeah, I went out to the... the, yeah. the we called the gym. <laughs> we called the gym, and or my my uh, my kid did, and to see if they were open. And they were open at Friday at like nine o'clock, and then within ten minutes, I see the driving ban at nine thirty. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this is this is this is for real. Um, and I just ran out real quick to Tops to grab the necessities, which was basically beer and snacks. <laughs> and then, you know, then I hunkered down. So I even even that morning, I you know went out in the truck, and I'm like, oh, this is bad, but it's not like. You yeah, seen this before. I, mean, I, I made sure to get up early on Friday and at like seven thirty, uh, and this, it was already starting to snow up here in, in Kenmore at seven thirty. And I ran it. I also got the necessities. I got I got some juice, some beer, and enough cigarettes to last me for like four days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're watching the news, and, they, and they, uh, the, the term I heard is going to be the worst blizzard since eighty five. And in my mind, okay, it's not going to be as bad as seventy seven, which is kind of the benchmark of bad blizzards, mm -hmm. right? So I figure oh, it's just going to be a little worse than normal. You know, it's it, it's we're in the year twenty twenty two. It's going to be way better than usual. Yeah. I mean, obviously Buffalo, yeah. the city, is a little behind clearing snow, but we'll be okay. Definitely was not expecting this. Maybe I should have. Yeah, I don't think they scream the term blizzard enough. I think that's what the message mm -hmm. should have been because we've heard the driving bans, right? That's right. so common that we get a two-inch an hour snowfall rate and 219's closed, 400's closed, and we were like, okay, this is normal. Like It, it, it fell right into our normalcy thought right. process until they started screaming about the blizzard. And at that point, that should have been magnified. That right. sort of terminology should have been magnified and said, listen, we're not saying just a once-in-a-lifetime snow dump. We're saying a snow dump and this other thing, and the, right. this other thing, I think, is where we got, I think we got a little bit lost. Right, because I, 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 think, I think there's a misconception in Buffalo that, like, anytime it's a snowstorm, oh, that's a blizzard. And that's not, like the, like you said, the definition of a blizzard is, is high sustained winds and low visibility, Right. Um, you know, for at least three and a half hours. Right. And that's where they need to amplify. I was like, all right, 
you know, the scientific definition of a blizzard is, is like, as far as I understand, is like basically like 35 mile hour winds sustained and like three and a half hours of like visibility of less than one sixteenth of a mile. And they were like, it's going to be like that, except it's going to be like like that for like 30 to 35 hours. And it ended up being longer than that. Right. Right. You know? And so like, I I think people, you know, yeah, like people, we we pride ourselves on being like tough. We can handle Mm -hmm. the snow. It's not a big deal. And like, oh, we get blizzards every year. No, we don't. We we don't get blizzards every year. We get blizzards once every 20 years, basically. And, um, you know, and, and you, it's long enough that, that that goes in between that you basically can't remember how bad they are, except for everybody talks about the 77, you know, like, like the white stripe show at Mohawk, they were all there. Right or or the the, the Van Halen show or the, the U two show on on Transit Road right, right? yeah the, or the, uh, the the Bills come back against the Oilers right, yeah. everybody was there everybody for was nobody there. left right. right yeah I think that you know one of the int- things that I, I sort of thought about after the fact was like you look at the snow and you look at the wind and you're like okay it's basically whiteout conditions but even then those whiteout conditions are not uncommon. Two, two you know when we see snowfall rates of two to three inches an hour it looks exactly the same as the wind did. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just straight wall of white. So we've seen, you know, that sort of wall of white before and we drive through it and we snow plow through it. And so, you know, when the when everyone's leaning into the term blizzard as the well, this we're not prepared for a blizzard. Well, you're up, but you're also saying you're not prepared for massive whiteout conditions in two, two to three inches an hour. So it can't be both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll get to like you know, like the the mayor saying that we don't plan for blizzards nonsense, but like it's crazy because like you know, as as I'm not the person to point it out, like other people have said this, like could you imagine if like the mayor of Miami is like, oh, we don't plan for hurricanes, <laughs> or if like the mayor of Los Angeles is like, we don't have any plan for earthquakes, they're right, just like they, right. they don't happen frequently enough, yeah. yeah. Um, or like you know, if if you were the mayor of I don't know, give pick pick some shitty city in like Tornado Alley, Topeka, Kansas, right? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like you're like we never plan for tornadoes. Like <laughs> Buffalo is literally the city in the United States most synonymous with snow. Somehow it's not Anchorage, but somehow it's Buffalo, and like the mayor's openly saying like, well, we get this event more than anybody else, and we get snowfall that makes it near or blizzard like conditions every all the time, and. We don't plan for that. What the fuck is like right. the, the only reasonable response? I right. Think. And your point about blizzard-like conditions, that's the terminology that's used when we're getting very high snowfall rates. Right. So when you tell somebody, well, we're getting a blizzard, and they're like, well, last month we had blizzard-like conditions. Right. So they're like, well, what's the difference? Right. Right. I think the other thing that no one really, I think, it, I, I, you know, I haven't seen it too, but it happened during the time when the region is mobile as, as, mobile as possible, which is, Christmas. Right. Right. Yep. So you're telling people like I haven't seen my family in six months. We get together. This is a big thing in our family. You're you're pushing that into the equation right. too. Well, well, that, well, all the local business as well that, that's generated, right. especially the last few days before the holiday. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the driving ban real quick, guys, because right, right. I, I, I think that touches on all this because Mark Polencars had come out with a tweet basically saying, you know, Mia culpa um, about the driving ban that maybe yet we should have instituted it earlier in the you know in the timeline here. And I'm curious because I think he was in a real no-in position, very much for the reason that you guys are talking about. Family holiday travel, businesses, you know, expecting... Uh, some businesses almost exclusively rely on a lot of the money that comes in around Christmas to sustain them through the next few months. Well, you know? I, I, look, I, I think, that, sure, that was some of the consideration, but I don't think that Poland Cars is so beholden to, like, you know, he doesn't get a lot of money from, like, 
as opposed to most people think like, oh, follow the money for politicians. He doesn't get a lot of money from like the private sector. Like, well, I don't think it's not well, about him getting the money. It's but, about having the, you know, keeping the no, economy going. I don't even think he cares about that that much. What he does care about, though, is letting county employees have the day off because that is something he is responsible for and something he gets beat up for by the local Republican Party. And he is running for reelection this year. So if he gave all those lazy county employees a free day off and it wasn't as bad as it ended up be, there would definitely be something that would be on Mallers all fall long. And I think that was something that he was concerned about, was was closing the Wrath Building, closing County Hall, and giving people a day off when they went, and if it wasn't as bad as it ended up being. I guess. I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing that's not a consideration or even a big one for him, but I do think that, you know, there is an, a level of, like, stewardship for the local economy. Do you want to, and even if we're just being cynical as I'll get out, do you want to be the county executive that shut down everything around Christmas and it turned out to be, you know, no, it, it was a... Making a mountain out of a molehill. But here's the thing. But he, like, but he did anyway. At the end of the day, he did he shut did. it down. And at the end of the day, do you want to kill your corporations or kill your voters? Right. right? But, I mean, at the end of the right. day, who's he more beholden to? I think it's the people. I think right. he didn't, you know, they're all made mistakes. I think mm -hmm. he did an admirable job given the lack of absolute home rule control over anything. Right. right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, they they all screwed up. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and the other thing is, like, you know, where he, if he instituted the, the driving ban earlier, if it wasn't as bad as it could have been, people would have just gone to drove to businesses and gone places. There, was, it was as bad as it was, and people just drove anyways, right? Like so, like, and it's not like up until like two days in where they were like, "Oh, okay, we're going to start aggressively ticketing people who are driving," right? Like for the most part, everybody in the area knows that when there's a driving ban, that means you probably should stay home, but it's okay to go out. Yeah, and isn't there somebody? Said that that Hochul on Thursday said, "Well, the you know the the Friday commute's going to be treacherous." Well, you're implying that people should just go out and drive, right? Yeah. So like you have these compete depends on who you listen to. You have these sort of competing uh, narratives out there about what we should actually be doing on Friday morning. You have a nine thirty driving ban. You have a morning commute that's going to be treacherous, which was supposedly stated by her on Thursday at an event in the falls. Like, at what point do we have a conversation about who should be the one that's having the most widespread voice in this in this mm -hmm. room right get you know it's the whole fragmented geography fragmented governance problem right yeah yeah I mean, it's tebow right like where you've got everybody saying what they want to say and like and not one clear leader like you know realistically if this was a smaller state you know, the governor runs everything but as geographically diverse as new york is and you know that there's, you know, like w what we saw here was not even happening in Rochester, let alone, you know, uh, New York City or Albany or Cooperstown or, what, or whoever, who gives a fuck. No, Utica, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but that like the county executive, like even that, like you actually have multiple counties that were adversely affected and you can't get them to, to work together. And then, you know, the, like you said, the home rule, like the county executive doesn't have, you know, a supreme authority. Like the city of Buffalo basically said, get fucked. <laughs> to, as far as like to the counties, what the county said. Now I do want to say, like, you know, after like the storm and, and the aftermath, they kept saying how much they warned us. But you know, if you say, oh, it's going to be really bad. Also, uh, the drive's going to be treacherous, or commute's going to be treacherous. You, I don't think you knew as, it was going to be as bad as you thought it was going to as, as it turned out to be. No, because they said, like, like as I'm saying, like you, you have a driving ban that appears. I saw the driving ban Friday morning at like nine. Yeah. Right. Thursday. You have a governor saying the commute tomorrow is going to be treacherous. So if you didn't, if you're like me and you 
saw the nine o'clock driving ban Friday morning when you were at work. You got it too late. Right. You heard the governor yeah. well, on Thursday say your morning commute's going to suck. Well, and also commute implies that you're going to be able to get home. Right. That, right. that, that, yeah, there's, yeah. that there's also a 5 p.m. commute. Yeah. Right. Commute. That she, she didn't say like, hey, when you move to your new home versus wherever you work and that's where you're going to live for the next three days, yeah. it's going to be a tough ride. Yeah. Right. I, it just the whole thing is. I mean, again, you don't have you have too many layers of government trying to figure out which hand is doing what, and mm-hmm. it just you know the messaging was poor. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly was, and look from the city of Buffalo, just a fucking bold face, Jim Byron Brown could go out on TV and say, "Well, I told you it was going to be bad. I told you it was going to be, uh, you know, you should have stocked well, up." He got us. No, no more complaining. He got That's us. It. He told us. That's it. It's yep. over. Uh, no, it, it goes, I mean, it goes without saying, but what we do here is talk, so we're going to say it. The city of Buffalo's response was beyond substandard. It was poor, abysmal, fucking dog shit garbage. And we've talked on the show, we talked only last month about the snowpocalypse. We know that it's hard to do all of the the maintenance for all the different side streets and roads. Cause as Jim pointed out, look, the rest of the County moves pretty quick because there's not so many side streets and you know, there's a lot more main arteries that if you just plow, you know, the main road, a lot of these places are going to be fine. Well, and also in the city you have by necessity, because of the density of the population, you have on street parking that you don't have in, you know, even as places, Chictawaga is essentially the same as dense as most of the city, but they have off street parking because of how spread out it is in, in, to a certain extent. You know, I mean, and the other thing is that, like, you know, the population in like the 70s, when we get to comparing the 77, population was much higher in the city of Buffalo, but density was higher. So there was more resources for DDPW. It's not like when people moved out of the city, city of Buffalo, they just like, got the jackhammer out and ripped streets up. Though they still have to take care of those streets because there's just more abandoned properties in between. But, like, we talked with Mitch about this, right? The city of Buffalo, it's not just snow plowing, it's snow removal, right? Like, right. you know, like, if you live in, in, say, Marilla, they can just take a plow and push the snow because, like, it's not like the... Pushing the, it into a ditch. Right, they're, yeah, they're pushing it into a culvert, right? The, in, in the city of Buffalo, you're burying somebody's, you know, Volvo. Right. Can you talk for a second more about the... Uh, comparison to 77 and you know the, the i guess the national guard was called in sooner than right yeah there were a few other right con- they, they called the national guard in ahead of time yeah and they mobilized more <laughs> yeah. uh in 77 you know they mobilized like over 100 national guard members and they mobilized them like two days before the storm hit as opposed to this time where this they weren't mobilized until after you know friday we had already uh, happened you know same thing like you know like it Oh, we knew how bad it was going to be. Then how did all of you fucking people forget that snowmobiles existed until Saturday night? You know who was the most mobilized of anything was the electric companies. Yes. No yes. joke. Yeah. Friday morning when I drove around, I went out Friday morning right when the ban was announced to grab what I needed to grab. And I did a loop um, looking for an open liquor store at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> um, and found one. Major big box parking lots were full of... Out of town, mm-hmm. highly mobilized, ready to roll electric there, technicians. There are bucket trucks all over the yeah, place. Everywhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like you have people that came in from far outside this region, because we don't have the capacity here for all that, to mm-hmm. to mobilize and be prepared to address power outages. If anyone should actually get kudos for the response, it's the people we generally don't like the most, which is these utility companies. They right. were on it. Shout out to our boy a low voltage, by right. the way. Yeah, I mean I mean working which just uh, linemen, right? Yeah, yeah. Linemen. Which, which just, but like, yeah, they 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 knew how bad it was. They prepared. How like how did that the 
local governments not like you get back to your point jason like not amplify this and say like this is not what you think and and part of it is like i think like if you look back on like poland cars like social media he was trying to say that i get our 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 traditional media also kind of underplays things and oh well it's just a snowstorm we can handle it and so they weren't playing up as big of a deal as maybe it needed to be played up you know because they're like well i mean the meteorologists were of course but again like you know i was at a a work meeting and i had somebody saying like well you know that's just their job is to scare everybody and then if it's not as bad everybody's okay with them yeah i think there's that too like there is you know no one wants to do it but there is the question of you know personal roles in this and what do we all do in this in this instance i mean wasn't there a storm like last year that they said this one's going to be bad and we got like no snow yeah i mean yes. we're so used to the a getting dumped on with tons of snow but b also like you know a couple times out of 10 they tell us that we're going to get absolutely blasted and it never shows up right so i mean we're all at fault i think in some of this as well as 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 actors in this this play yeah well, for sure and i mean look again we know how hard it is to coordinate all this stuff the city of buffalo has to do in the event of a major snowstorm we're not blind to that all that being said um there was a simply what appeared to be no preparation for this guys like well, it, it, it it felt like and as a city of buffalo resident living in allentown getting to see firsthand days on end we had cars stuck in and again i i get it the roads were hardly impassable yet there were cars stuck in the middle of streets for three, four, or five days that should have been moved. Mm-hmm. They, they, they should have been mobilized sooner, um, done by the city. There were areas that, you know, at least main routes that could have been plowed out that, that we should have had response vehicles at the ready for. This was the first time, you, you've probably heard this stat on social media, but it bears repeating, first time since its inception that the City of Buffalo Fire Department could not respond to calls. First time in 200-whatever years. Right. We all know how difficult it is to like demand logistics, but it's not like this is something new to the city of Buffalo, like a blizzard or a giant snowstorm. It, the city's been in existence for 200 years. It's not like, like I, I don't know, like like the eternal flame it turned into a volcano and exploded, and we're like, what the fuck? We don't know how to handle this. And, uh, and then, you know, also, the mayor basically ran on, hey, if there's a major snowstorm, would you rather have somebody who has 20 years' experience managing and running logistics or India Walton, where it'll be a major catastrophe. Well, how could it have been any worse if she was mayor right now? You, that, literally, I don't, I don't, literally don't think it could have been any worse. With all the people that died and the lack of response, and then and basically when called on at it, says, it's not my fault, you guys should have been better. The third poorest city of the country should have had done better preparation. They, you should be out there taking care of your neighbors, the city of good neighbors. You should be taking care of it because fuck you is my, my opinion as the mayor. Yeah, and you made a point, Jim, earlier that I think is needs to be recognized, which is you made the point that, well, they don't have the resources. The, the issue isn't that they don't have the quote-unquote resources. It's the, the issue is the priorities in the mm. city of Buffalo government. So when you... You know, I think I've said this on Twitter, and 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 other people have said it too. This is nothing new. Your your budget is 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 a, a statement of your principles, as and values as an as an as an organized government. When you spend as much money as you do on the cops, right? So you said, you know, this is a you know somebody I know and you know and myself may have done some work in the shrinking cities arena, um, but when you have all this population loss, you made the point, right? 
that everything else remains fixed. We don't pick up the streets. We don't pick up the houses. We don't pick up the buildings and pack them up and move them out of the city. They stay behind. But that doesn't give the government, which I think it is used as a pass to ignore that stuff. So you still have to plow the streets and you still have to manage the sidewalks and you still have to invest in all that stuff. The argument that there wasn't enough resources because of that point that we don't have the fiscal capacity to invest in all the infrastructure is absolutely a bankrupt position for a local government to take. If you can spend all that money on cops, mm-hmm. you're basically saying that is more important and most of it is property crime, right? We're property crime and writing tickets. That's more important than the ability to respond to an absolute crisis if, if, it, if need be, which is we are unprepared from a services and fiscal position to address a crisis when it hits. And you saw that happen in real time as the crisis was hitting, as you you had individuals breaking into different retail outlets and committing property crimes. And the city of Buffalo and the BPD chose to create a what they called an anti-looting task force in the middle middle of the crisis to uh, pursue property crimes when there were still people without heat that hadn't been checked on without temperature. Like, and so, and so like very clearly saying we are valuing property over individual lives. But also and, saying the, also saying there's one place we have access capacity in our local government. Yes. And that is in law enforcement. That's a critical component to recognize, which well, is we have plenty of people to attack that issue and we're going to raise it up and pivot to that thing because that shows that we have capacity for something. Not plowing, not planning, not preparing, but we have the capacity to address the gumball machine guy, right? I think that's where we're at. <laughs> gumball and it. Yeah. I, I think that's another contrast between now and 77 is, I, I think you were mentioning this, Jim, when, when we were talking earlier that uh, the uh, detective work, the, the prosecution of those crimes didn't happen until after the emergency was over. Right. Well, I mean, because like, you know, there is something about like social media and the like, people being able to share things instantaneously so that people were aware of that, that these property crimes were happening immediately. Whereas in 77, they happened, but people didn't find out for a couple of days because you didn't have people on fucking TikTok telling you like, hey, look at this guy with the gumball machine, mm-hmm. right? right? Um, you and know, then our five hours of local news every day picks up on that because right. what else do they have? To right, and then CNN about. picks up on it yeah. because what else are they going to talk about? But yeah, like the Courier Express and the Buffalo News like covered like, okay, yeah, there are these property crimes. But like my other thing was like, you know, like even if you like they do have the resources that they could pursue property crimes. They should be putting all those resources towards indiv- like personal safety and, and indiv- individuals' health at that time. There, because of the social media, because we are we we've got security cameras everywhere and people are putting pictures of people up online. They were going to find, or they are going to find, pretty much everybody who committed these property crimes. Like it's going to be very easy. And my understanding is, and I'm not a lawyer, but the statute of limitations on solving property crimes isn't like six hours. It's not like <laughs> like they have a couple of weeks that they can solve these people. However, people who were out without heat and without electricity and without maybe food or contact to other people for an excess of forty hours at a time, you might not have six hours to get to them. So, I was yeah. literally about law enforcement. There was no no way around it they were intending to enforce the law right the question is is that a priority (laughs) right we did not have any response and we don't have any infrastructure here frankly to check on people in their houses we don't have any you know there's no city service there's no we have nothing available to us to check on our most vulnerable people um in these times and so the death count is still way underreported. Yeah. We are not, we're probably never going to get a true accurate death count, which again is another fucking indictment of this goddamn city, but we won't in large part, a couple reasons. One, the bodies that were out in the streets or in their cars 
they can't pronounce them dead. The cops obviously can't, and they can't pronounce them dead at the hospital until they thaw out a lot of these people. So there are bodies that were brought into the hospital that because they were still frozen, pronounced them dead until they dethawed them. So I think we've seen numbers. I, I saw at one point it was 40 people, 60 people, probably at least double that. Yeah. At the very least. Let's, here's the one thing that I think is important too, because I, the, back to the looting point, not to belabor because I don't want to, but if there's one thing that Brown has always been genius at is it's it's been comms. He's he's managed to always pivot the narrative away from any criticism of him, right? So he gets up and stands behind the podium when he wants to, right? Mm-hmm. When he when he says it's okay, and when he does that, you know, I think I said it as well. Like that is a genius moment because his first thing that he gets the me- the media, the first bone he throws them is looting. So he immediately gets up and says something that he knows the media in this town is going to go, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Let's report about that. So he used them mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. desire to constantly you know, do law sinker. enforcement. Yeah, so right. like it, he went up there, did that, and then suddenly we went away from, hey, we're having a conversation about snow removal and snow response and dead bodies to, hey, man, somebody's ripped off a gumball machine. Right, right. It, it, and and they're going to use it to as justification to try to increase the police budget for next year because they're like, well – you know, we had to dedicate so much resources to emergency, to search and rescue, but we have to have resources in addition to still co- combat property crimes during the middle of the fucking worst natural disaster that's happened in the city in 50 years, and we have to chase after a fucking flat screen. So what are we measure. looking for? Grants for fucking snowplows on the front of police cars now? I mean, uh, I mean everything that everything that we do is, is well, fucking I, stupid. What, what, we, what we need to do is, is because like you know, there's that the military surplus program where which is how we get like all these uh cra- yeah all these crazy vehicles <laughs> is uh uh what we should do is petition schumer and gillibrand and and higgins that we should declare war on norway so that we can get some sweet <laughs> stuff that we can use <laughs> well because we're all messy bitches who live for the drama of course when we love that hot goss really. we love that hot goss here yes. at the square podcast we love it folks we love it so when mark poland cars some might call Mark fascist dictator. Um, mm-hmm. What Mark Polencar has finally said, what we were all thinking about Byron Brown's lackluster response. We were here for it. Frankly, we were, we were all sipping the tea. Now, how many of you uh, did a fist pump when that happened? I, I, I stood up and cheered the TV for getting it right. Yeah. What, what did he say? I, as a city of Buffalo resident, I'm frankly tired of it myself. And yeah. And, and embarrassed, embarrassed. Right. Yeah. That, that the city of Buffalo lag so far behind the rest of the county. Um, but, but also your point about the mayor's deflection abilities, his response to that, can, uh, I'm peace and love right now. Yeah, Kwanzaa, baby. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, that's literally what he did. Yeah. He rolled out a uh, fucking religious response, right, yeah. which is then untouchable. Polo's like cracking his, under the pressure. Yeah, his, his comms are My nailed God. every time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because yeah. he knows Kwanzaa's going to say, well, who gives a shit about the holiday, right? That's not a that's not an excuse to, for all that, right? Mm-hmm. So like every every word out of his mouth is totally calculated every single time, and then the media is like, "Well, you can't, we can't have finger pointing now." It's like, "What we're gonna hold back so you can do the finger pointing?" Like you're not capable of that, right? right? Yeah, I mean, you're not or you're not capable of any kind of objective finger pointing. Yeah, I mean, does uh, Hannah Bueller? Holy hell! Right? Like I don't know who she is, but everything I see on Twitter is like, my lord, that she's gobbling it up left, right, and center. She can't hit the send button fast enough. <laughs> Like they must just go right to her and go. Here's we got something for you. Just do it. They're like, right. oh, this is awesome. Now, I, I th- at this point, I think like they, they've spent like most of the budget on like uh, like 
cranial implants so they can just directly send the message to her and it's like so they can just type it out for her like Mike DeGeorge just immediately just sends it right to her brain and she types it out from the barrack holes right <laughs> <laughs> well Paul and Cars did apologize for his remarks which is bullshit he shouldn't have he shouldn't have no because but it again. was it, it wasn't I don't think a, a full-hearted apology either it wasn't a true apology I'm with you there snake yeah. but this this did lead to some top tier you know memes of I got to see like you got to see like Byron Brown and Mark Polencars as boxers and what would their, you know, what what's Mark's reach? I, I wish Polo would have kept the pressure on. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I love this shit. All, all sorts of, all sorts of nonsense out I, there that I, look, frankly here, amazing. Here's, here's the thing is that like, it's, it's only January. We might get more snow this year. You know, yeah. who knows? It, it, it may happen where the city of Buffalo has a lackluster response again. And maybe Polencars next time just says, Fuck it, and just like because like so. Here's my thing that I pointed out right away when this happened is that like politically, it also makes a lot of sense for polling cars to criticize the mayor. He's going to win the city anyways because it's, it's so heavily Democrat. And right now, a lot of the people in the city are mad at the mayor, criticizing the mayor and saying that the city of Buffalo is embarrassing and it's lackluster is what most of the suburbanites think anyways. So that helps him pick up those votes, and then from like. People are like, well, yeah, but should he be attacking his own party member? Well, the mayor was never going to lift a finger for Poland cars anyways. He doesn't give a shit about him. Nope. He like he gives a shit about like Pridgen and like Crystal People Stokes and Barbara Miller Williams, and that's about it as far as like it goes for like local electeds. And so like he was never going to send him any volunteers or even give him a fucking check. So like go ahead, beat him up. Like, it, like, uh, realistically, if they had a good relationship, the mayor should be like, no, no, beat me up some more. Like, like, you know, like, you know, just slap me around a little bit so we both take the day off of work. I mean, the politics are, are what they are. I don't, I'm not hell-bent on the idea that Poland Cars was really thinking political objectives first. But at the end of the day, you know, he's a city resident. At yeah. some point, you just get fed up. Well, and, and, and you're supposed to, like, bite your tongue because you're a elected official and just go, oh, this is acceptable. Right. I mean, and, like, you know, I was out on Elmwood in Delaware, like the day after, like the uh, driving ban was finally lifted in the city, and, and you know I was like by like near Kenmore, like by you know Tops and, and Target and that stuff, and it's like five lanes there, and both were like at best like two and a half lanes because even like a day after the driving ban was lifted, you know minor side streets like Elmwood in Delaware mm-hmm. were not clear in the city of yeah. Buffalo. I got plowed Friday night. In the city town, I want to overnight at some point because I woke up on Christmas Eve morning and I had four feet at the end of my driveway, so the plows were out. And mm-hmm. Christmas morning, I had asphalt in front of the house. I mean, and I'm not saying, I mean, we're we have probably adequate response in where I live, mm-hmm. um, but also don't have the car problem, right? right? But clearly, they were out ahead of it, right? Yeah. So they were out, they weren't waiting for the event to be over, they were out. Ahead of it, right. mobilized, ready to start plowing. Right, as as, as I had, I had a similar response. You know, where like the twenty third Friday night, um, plows went down once, just down the center, to like create a path for like mm-hmm. emergency vehicles to get down in Kenmore. Now there were vehicles parked overnight. I don't think they were getting ticketed that night. Um, that were on the street because like they just wouldn't be able to move. Um, but so that's why they just plowed just down the center. There was one lane, but at least they did get out. And then yeah, like Christmas Day, it was, the roads were clear. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny that, Jason, you say, like, Byron Brown is a master of the comms, and, and he is, and he does that jujitsu very well, and yet the optics behind everything that the city of Buffalo and the response has been 
like, so poor. It's like they don't give a shit anymore about the actual optics. It doesn't but, matter. But it, he's he's a, he's a master of the comms when he d- finally does it. What he's a bad at is that he waits until it gets so fucking bad. Like it's kind of like kind of like like my old saying that I was like that honesty is the best policy and it's also the worst defense. And like like if he was like pulling cars is constantly saying stuff all the time and he gets criticized because people are like, "Oh, shut up and do your job." And Breuer takes the exact opposite tact of I won't say anything until I absolutely have to do my job. Yeah, it, it's just they didn't even give a shit this time around about any kind of like is this a good look or not? Um, they don't, there's no, but there's no precedent that there has to be a good look because they keep getting reelected. So at the end of the day, if the calculus that you use for 16 years continues to win you elections, where is the incentive to do anything differently than roll out the podium, get the gold shovel out, get the giant scissors out, mm-hmm. and dominate the narrative? Where's the incentive? Because well, it doesn't cost you politically your job. Well, and also. You know, and maybe this is kind of conspiratorial, but th- so that's up your alley, Re. That's right. But uh, this Me and year, Joe Rogan, baby. This year is Common Council elections, and there are some Common Council members who have caused some problems for the mayor, who doesn't have an election this year. And if he could maybe help fund some candidates against people who have been problematic for them, and they can beat them up on that the fact that the city snow response was so poor, he can't get beat up this year. He's not up for election. Mm-hmm. He's got two years before he can run for his 600th term. You know, there are certain common council members, uh, all nine are up for election this year, and there are certain ones who have caused him problems. I guess it's just un- unprecedented to me that you have, like, in media scrums, people asking Byron Brown, should you resign? Speaking of which, uh, there is a petition on moveon.org, if you're looking for it, that has, uh, is, I believe, over 9,000 signatures already, nearing the 10,000 mark on uh, Byron should resign. And then there's a face- share that. There's a Facebook page too, uh, on like that's called like Resign Byron Brown or like Step Down Byron Brown. He's just doing the same thing he did for the redistricting. Ah, not enough people said so. Right, <laughs> right. Although, although, what ten thousand move on signatures? How many votes did he get in the last mayoral election? And somewhere, it's got to be somewhere in like the upper twenties, low thirty something. Yeah, to yeah. That effect. Right. I mean, uh, ten thousand is a pretty sizable yeah. percentage when you only uh, you, it only took you like thirty thousand votes to become mayor. Yeah, because Rusty recalculated the. Signatures necessary for uh, charter revision, and it was sixty five hundred, and I think it was seven percent or mm. the lesser of like forty five thousand or something to that effect. So yeah, it was a small small turnout. Yeah, I, I also have it on good authority that um, <laughs> Byron Brown stayed at his home pretty much for the entire duration of this. City Hall was open, had power. Uh, Byron Brown was not there. Mm-hmm. Well, you could tell that based off of like the press conferences because like whatever criticisms you want to have of uh, polling cars and the governor, they looked exhausted. They looked like clearly like they were barely sleeping, and when they were sleeping, they were sleeping on cots or what have you. And Byron looked like he just got back from the White Lotus. <laughs> or there, there are a few Zoom calls where he he wasn't even sharing his videos. Right, he was probably in his bed, you know, yeah. with right, breakfast. listening to Renegade. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah just uh, fell fell from top to bottom, really. Yeah, it was, I mean, a, a complete failure. But now, thankfully, guys, thankfully, we are going to have somebody study the response. There, there's going to be a thorough investigation as to, you know, what the city of Buffalo did. And for my money... <laughs> well, well, to the mayor's point, there will be a blizzard again. So mark this occasion. You have been warned. It's not his fault when the next blizzard happens. Right. That's a great point, Ryan. Yes, right. there, You have been warned ahead of time. 
and they, it will be studied by what, what was the name of the fucking uh, it's a NYU's Wagner School NYU of, of the, uh, NY, and the Wagner School of like public administration it has a uh, a mixed reputation um, I mean it's NYU so that's that's usually pretty good um, but they do have this kind of reputation for like when they get recruited by cities to do it they kind of do a report that the city wants yeah that's what I said yesterday on Twitter I said listen I I'm a consultant yeah. with our friend Rusty we own a company. A lot of times clients tell you what they want in the report. Yeah. And it's not uncommon. Um, actually, Rusty and I just put a survey together for a county east of here for a housing study, and there was language in there that we didn't like. And we're like, we're not, can't run with these terms in this in this online survey. Um, so you either push back and you tell them we're going to tell the truth and we're going to do this the right way or... Or you take you, the money. Or you take the money. And so the the firm that did the city's housing opportunity strategy, um, the city really tried to strong arm them into um, into having the report say what the city wanted. And they said, well, then put your own name on it and take mine off. Right. Mm-hmm. So, the, the you know, how, how quickly did they pivot to find an outside expert to come in and do this? Was, well, it was pretty quick. Um, clearly no defined scope of work on what that report's going to look like. No RFP, obviously, right? We're just going to straight line it right to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to use, as Jim said, a, a reputable um, institution to shield ourselves from any criticism, right? So, you listen, we have an advanced certificate in emergency response at Buffalo State in the department that he's an adjunct in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he reached out to that department, right? So, no. so he went to what, what we call in consulting, which is an expert as someone who's 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right because it automatically lends credibility well this is a huge problem so we have to go find a really really important consultant to do this and that's where we land right yeah I mean, and, and like i said like nyu has enough cachet it's not like you know he picked like casanova college or something right. like or that. buffalo like, state or buffalo state right yeah. i mean let's be honest like we're the redheaded stepchild in the state university system here and in, in the west end of the state the state so i mean i mean he could have went to ub but they don't do that over there right so he went he went big right yeah i mean and i'm sure we'll 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 find out exactly what in the budget uh how much it costs how how big he costs to cover himself i'm excited to find out the results by the way of it would it would be funny if they they did that and they still shit on the city yeah, they take their money and they're like, "Yeah, fuck you, this right?" Is like dog shit, right? Like, like that artist who just uh, took like a million dollars and submitted a blank canvas, yeah. <laughs> and it called it "Tank the Money and Run." I mean, you could pay whoever you want to tell you whatever answer you want to hear. We know, we we know that it's lackluster. We know that it's poor response here in the city, and a lot of these decisions, as we said for the snow apocalypse, these are decisions that were made, you know, months, years ago. Yeah, when. Budgets were being put together when, you know, they were saying which resources need to be addressed, like how much money needs to be addressed to this, this. These are things that have been, you know, months and years in the offing. But to your point earlier, Jim, Byron Brown has hung his hat on. I'm the guy that you want administering this because I've been here. I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. I know the ins and outs. I put together these budgets. And it's like, well, motherfucker, okay, you did it. <laughs> you own this now. You don't right. get to shrug your shoulders and say, well, no, you, your whole thing was that I could administer this. I can handle this. And the fact that the one you had, basically you had one job. Yeah. Re- really. That's what we viewed you as doing. You had one job. You did not do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where Byron Brown has to own this. There's no way that it's not on him as the city figurehead, as somebody who has been involved in those budget meetings, has been involved in those planning meetings, the whole thing that 
I can do this. I can handle this. I'm the only person, in fact, equipped to handle this. Is just a bald faced lie. Well, and, and get back to like, what you were saying, Jason. Like you know, like your the budget is your priorities. He's been mayor now. This is like his 18th year, right? Not not only has he been in charge of short term planning, but at this point, he's been in charge of long term planning for the city and the area for a while now. And so he's showing that like his short term goals or his priorities are not around servicing the people and that his long-term goals and priorities were not around providing services to the residents of the city of Buffalo, because if they were, he would have long-term plans. He says like, we don't plan for blizzard, but you one that's fucking so crazy, but like in such nonsense, but like when they happen like once every 20 years or in his case, twice during your term as mayor, twice during the, the, the time that you've served as mayor. He has, like, should be or must be planning for these things, or it ought to be. I understand from, like, even, like, a common council member, like, politically, short-term planning is more advantageous politically. One, it gets you better press releases, but also long-term planning, when you come around for re-election, if it looks like you haven't done anything if you've done only long-term planning. Yeah, but your short-term planning is based... When, we, when people say short-term planning, what they're really saying is, the annual budget, mm-hmm. right? So when we talk about the annual budget at the local level, that annual budget has to be politically expedient, which is right. it has to show that we've cut taxes, we've gained efficiency, all that stuff. So the long, the, the, you can't have a long-term planning vision when every single year you're trying to figure out ways to save money. And but, the number one thing that gets cut in local government often is the planning stuff, right? Because right. we don't need that right now. It's not a priority. So you kick the can every single budget year and you never get to it. Yeah, but the county executive has been like issuing like five to seven year plans. You see the place like the town of Hamburg and the towns of Amherst issuing five to 15 year plans. The village of Lancaster doing something similar and the city of Buffalo just absolutely refusing to do so. Yeah, I mean, you're comparing planning in the town of Amherst to planning in the city of Tanawa or the city of Buffalo. And it's not even a comparison. Mm -hmm. It's just not. And I love the people that work in those two planning offices, but one planning office is hamstrung because everything has to go over the mayor's desk. He's that much of a micromanager in one of them. One of those communities is actually run by a certified planner and architect who gives his planning department a lot of leeway to actually make efficient effective plans part of the day-to-day function of local government but you don't have to be a planner i mean like you i don't also, have to be a planner I, but that's I, the I, also, point. I also managed to ma- mention the village of lancaster who their mayor is a you know music teacher but seems to get that like there's you have to do some long-term planning yeah, yeah. and they have a planner on their village board i believe one of my former students so mm-hmm. like it's in the it's in the bloodstream Right, it's in the bloodstream, and you if you value that person's perspective, the person who sits on that board um, as a planner, you know planners are trained to think beyond the given budget year, right? So when you think down the lane, however long that lane is, you have someone in your sort of administration, if you will, at least you know the relationship between a, t- a village mayor and a, and, a, and a village board. But at the end of the day, you either listen to those people and value their insight, or you take their insight in a real token manner and then you discount it because you don't like what they've told you right and that's and then you go to nyu and have them do a report that right tells you yeah what you want. <laughs> right right uh so i want to ask you guys real quick uh we've got three executives who who are involved in leadership during the snowstorm i want to give each of them a letter grade we've got the governor the county executive and the mayor okay we're not going to grade on a curve because if that was the case we we know that the mayor's getting an f and everybody gets a's because of him re uh what's your letter grade for governor hokel c minus jason c I see. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with a C- as well. 
Uh, Poland cars, Ray. B plus. B. B plus. Yeah, I'll also go with a B plus. I I, th- I thought he did pretty well given what the situation was. I mean, he made some missteps, but uh, and then, but then at least he owned up to them too, or for, for the most part. Ray, you're our only city resident here. Uh, Lord Byron Brown. Drop the fucking class. <laughs> <laughs> drop the class, uh, bro. No. I would highly recommend that you consider withdrawing from this course. <laughs> F. Oof. Yeah, uh, 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 I'm just. I'm gonna pretend like he's taking this class pass fail, and it's not a pass. No, it's it's not. I mean, it's there's no. I mean, of the three of them, and it's a scale of responsibility too, right? I right. mean, the the governor has the least amount of real actual liable responsibility in this. The county executive has it in spurts, right? Geographically, and then we have a guy at the local level who clearly dropped the ball. Yeah. King chuckle fuck himself. So, um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about uh, essential employees. Um, you know, obviously, like you know, the the, the real essential employees of people who like we talk about. Like, I have criticism of BPD. I don't mean like the front line, like officers. I mean, not that I have any love for law enforcement, but like I think that like I think that the front line BPD people officers probably didn't want to be chasing after people who are breaking into Rena Center. I think they probably wanted to be doing search and rescue. I mean, I mean I'm still a cab, but I mean, I, I think that, that they, 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 they felt that Ree and I have a, a friend who works for the sheriff's department who was you know, at the holding center for like 6,000 hours straight. Uh, but then also like, like the, the all of our, our friends uh, working in medical EMTs and yeah, hospitals days on, mm-hmm. days on end with minimal resources um, you know, I think that, and then of course the, the most essential employees of all, according to Alan Pergament, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> hey, 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 yes, the, the the essential Bills. Did you did you guys see this on Twitter? Oh yeah, I saw it. I did. Alan Pergament, uh, yeah, basically said something. The Bills are tantamount to essential employees. <laughs> yeah, and he said that he didn't think that there'd be any police or judges who would disagree with him. Wow, because wow. they're so essential to like. The fabric of the community. Buffalo Sabres, definitely not essential employees. Except for maybe Tage Thompson can do whatever he wants right now. Uh, and, and the Buffalo Bandits, like, eat shit and stay home. <laughs> they're, they're conscripted to go out and shovel cars there. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's how we're expanding DPW is that uh, Dane Jackson is going to personally shovel out the entire east side. <laughs> uh, you know, I listen, in times like this, extraordinary times of... You know, uh, all the bitching and griping we do on the municipal and government level. I do want to recognize uh, the individual stories. We're, listen, we're, we're pretty much the Grinches around here. All right. We're all a bunch of like haters and fucking losers. Um, we, we like to gripe quite a bit, but I, I think we would be remiss, guys, if we didn't really point out the extraordinary stories that came out of this. Um, joining that Buffalo Blizzard 22 Facebook group. Mutual aid, people coming to each other's rescue, helping dig out, help, helping check on neighbors, parents, families, friends. And it's like, you know what? The response that you're going to see on the government, whatever level, um, will never match up to what people can do for each other and yep. will do for each other. Yeah, a friend of our friend of the pod, Paul, um, his wife Elizabeth, they live in the city, the, uh, the Richmond, Delavan area. Um, there was something on the, the Facebook that there was a, a young girl a couple blocks away from their home 
who was having an asthma attack and they didn't have an inhaler. So he walked through like three and a half feet of snow uh, over to take an inhaler over to this little girl. I mean, it's, you know, and, the, and that's just, you know, one example uh, of all the stories that you're seeing that are coming out of that Buffalo uh, Facebook group of people going out of their way to help and, and try to save their neighbors. Uh, so like, while WB and, and Fox news are going to tell you like everybody was looting and, and breaking in. Uh, clearly there was a much better side to the story than that. Yeah, there was, I mean, there, again, there are a lot of stories. Uh, obviously we're talking of heartrending circumstances and there are a lot of other people who, who weren't helped, you know, like there was only so much that could be done. And you saw a lot of just completely heartbreaking things about people in their twenties dying, infants dying. Um, They weren't able to get treatment. And looking back on this, I I saw in the the Buffalo news, um, Charlie Sprecht had, uh, you know, tweeted this out the story, but it, it tracks with what you'd think would happen that the racial disparity of how this blizzard hit was just completely disproportionate Mm -hmm. you know who died who the people who are on the margins of society were believe it or not the ones who were the most adversely impacted who suffered the highest mortality rates um because of this and again we know that buffalo is one of the most segregated cities in america i mean that is a well-known fact but when stuff like this happens and it really fleshes out like we have people in our city who are this close to it's just going to fall apart. And this was like, a, this is going to fall apart moment for a lot of those people and their homes and their lives. Right. Well, and that's, that is one of the things that's like most discouraging about like the elected officials in this saying, Oh, well we warned you. So you should have, you know, and before the blizzard, you should have two days supplies after the blizzard. We told you, you should have had two weeks of supplies. It's uh, at, at the blizzard lasts for a couple of days. They would Oh, you should have had two months of supplies, but, um, yeah, who's got, I mean, let's be but, honest, but, like, who's got, I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. Yeah. I don't have two weeks worth of food in my house. That I, I mean, let, yeah, I'm going to be eating, if I'm, like, honest about it, I'm going to be digging out freezer burned frozen bag of peas and carrots, <laughs> right? I mean, at the end of the day, to expect people to, for us to be thinking that far down the road, to have right. that, like, I'm not a doomsday prepper. I'm a idiot. I think that every day I'm going to be able to drive in the car to a grocery store and buy what I need. Right. So it's just disingenuous to, to tell people who are as poor as we have in this, in this region that you should, you need two months, two weeks worth of food. It's right. Like, you can't keep es- the fucking lights on. Especially if, if they do hear how bad the storm is going to be and you tell them that your job that gives you no PTO is going to, is going to be closed for three days or your jobs, right? Probably jobs, right. Yeah. That, that give you no pay, pay time off are going to be closed for three days. So not only are we telling you that you have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money that you don't have, but you're also not going to make as much money as you need to make to live. And Oh, by the way, it's fucking Christmas. Right. Right. Other than that, everything's great. Yeah. And you, you know, you have people that are scrambling. They know they're going to be inside. Well, you know, we, we've done work on walkability. If you lived in the east side of Buffalo, it's a repeat of May 14th. You're, you're talking about people that heard, hey, we're going to be shut down for a few days. So what do they do? They go out and they walk. Well, if you're on the east side, you have to walk further right. than anyone in this region, in the city, particularly in the city of Buffalo. Most people in the suburbs have to drive. We have to walk further than anyone to get to something, right? So if you're, if you're public transit 
um, burden, which is you have to ride the bus, and you don't have an automobile in your household, and you are just told that you're going to basically be without access to the community for three to four days, and you get out and you walk for things, right? There's also the mix, mixed message, I think, that came with the Code Blue. There was a tweet by the city or maybe even the mayor of Code Blue and warnings, warnings to warming shelters. So when you... Cold Blue, the average person doesn't know that Cold Blue is a sheltering mm-hmm. effort by nonprofits and the and police and fire and everybody else to shelter the homeless when it gets cold. But there was nowhere on there that, that for the average person to see that that was really a Cold Blue for homeless people. Mm-hmm. So if you saw that and you're like, well, I, gotta, I just lost my heat. I'm going to go out and walk to one of these warming shelters that's 10 blocks away. Well... What about that? Like, wh- right. where's the? Yeah. If we're gonna have a conversation about racial disparities, we we need some information and data on right. it clearly right. because we need to know where, and who, and right. why. Right. I mean, and like you know, also I I have some like why were there so few warming shelters? Like, I, I saw somebody suggest that like every election, uh, every polling place should be a warming shelter. That might be a little overkill, but it's not that far off. Yeah, well, I think it's preparation, right? I mean, we probably have two warming shelters to deal with the homeless during cold nights, not mm. the entire populace, right? right? So you didn't have any backup warming shelters, right? So that's the preparation question. So when you're going to do a study, are you going to come up with a disaster preparedness and implementation strategy that looks at how are we going to tell people what to do during this time? Mm-hmm. That has to be part of it, which is you probably have one in every neighborhood it's only open during these types of events, but you have your standard cold blue shelters that are open when right. we need them for but, that. But, but, like, you know, if you think about every neighborhood, like, you know, and what places that are polling places, they tend to be places that have generators and have heat. So, like, whether it's 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 a public school, it's a library, it's fire a hall. church, it's a fire hall, you yeah. have these, oper- like, where they're going to have power, they're going to have yeah. heating. Yeah. And so you, that should be part of your, your emergency plan. And you shouldn't be telling people, like, hey, you're like, you know, 419 Genesee is open no matter where you live if it's impossible for you to get there. Like, you should be right. saying, like, you you should be saying, like, if you need, if, it, if it's a matter of life and death, your local fire hall is open for you. Right? And As opposed to 911 is closed. Right. And then they respond, the, the thing that I was seeing is, like, if you're in your house with no heat, stay, you stay there, that's your safest place, which is absolutely true. Right. But that was coming generally from non-city of Buffalo. It was coming from the county executive and higher up. So right. you have the county executive saying, listen, if you're in your house with no heat, that's your safest spot. But also we have these warming shelters, mm-hmm. right? So you have this sort of absolute mix of messages because mm-hmm. there's no coordination. Right. So it's just, you know, you look at what happened in Katrina after 2005. The response was, we have to do better, right? But it took this massive tragedy in New Orleans – to respond with something that looked like an organized, efficient, effective strategy for the citizens to go to a place that tells them what to do in a given instance. We don't have that. We have a City of Buffalo fire hall website that has a bunch of general and nonspecific information. If you go to Hurricane, if you go to New Orleans, is what they call it, Open New Orleans or something like that, they have a bunch of buttons for every single potential event, electric outage, hurricane, flooding, like any of those things. So if you're a resident of New Orleans, you hit that. And this is, again, post-Katrina. So we had to lose lives to get to that point, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea that someone can go on a website and go, boop, and that tells me, okay, here's what's open. Here's here's a copy of the the plan and the strategy. That does not exist. Right. And and hopefully in New Orleans, I haven't seen it. It probably works on mobile as opposed to the city website here in Buffalo where when you try to access a mobile, you might as well be using like a fax machine. 
Right. So it's, it, you know, when anything you do that, you know, that no one's even mentioned, I've seen one tweet about, um, you know, getting stuff translated in, into languages that aren't English. Right. Right. So like there is so much wrong in this instance from a procedural in response perspective from the particularly the Buffalo where they have the most marginalized disenfranchised populations mm-hmm. that have been left out of anything. It looks like democracy forever. So you have this massive problem um, that nothing that NYU is going to crank out in the next two months is going right. to address. It's just going to say, it's going to basically say, yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, can you imagine being like a refugee from like South Sudan who just got resettled in Buffalo and your very first week that fucking blizzard happens? Yeah. Or the Megalis, right? I right, mean, yeah. Here, like, welcome to Buffalo. You're on your own. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, my God. Like, uh, just spending on that, you know, Buffalo has had a reputation of being a climate refuge. Does that change that reputation in the eyes of people seeing this on TV? It might in their eyes, but it shouldn't. It right? shouldn't, yeah. Shouldn't. I mean, it's, it's you know, like, I think I, mentioned, I, was, I was reading on... Uh, Reddit, not in the Buffalo Reddit, but actually somebody who was in like the World News Reddit, that they lived in St. Louis during the flooding this past year, and now they live in Buffalo. They would yeah. take the blizzard well, over the flooding. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. right. so, there's uh, not so much like that's a you know when you talk about flooding, tornado, wildfires, hurricanes, that's prop that's major property damage. But it's major property mm-hmm. and, and and there's a, a, a certain helplessness, right? Right. Like at least like during a blizzard, you can hunker down inside your house because it is the safest place to be. And, and you'll be okay. When it's flooding, you can't be inside your house. Right, right. When there's wildfires, you can't be inside your house. Hurricanes, you have to leave or you stay inside your house and die, I suppose. I mean, I guess that happens in blizzards too. But, I mean, yeah. to, a, to a lesser extent, I mean. But we're not prepared for, here's the thing. Go out and take a picture today and post it on Twitter, and you're going to have pictures of grass and say, are we still not a climate refuge? Right. Are we still not that mm-hmm. thing, right? But the. This is, you know, another thing I've said a million times is stop saying we're a climate refuge when we have nothing in place to support what could potentially be the pouring in of thousands upon thousands of people. We don't have city Buffalo's got all this vacant land. There's no strategy to get that into the hands of people. So what? So what are we gonna do? We're gonna just do it more and sprawly, right? Yeah. So we don't have a, a sustainability plan. All that shit doesn't matter. You don't have a plan that says. We're gonna. Here's what we look like in ten years if we have this month. But this month, our, our, our new plan, population. Our plan is Doug Jamal. Doug Jamal's <laughs> gonna take care of everything for us. We we can't take care of the people that we have here. You know, we we have nothing. We have no infrastructure in place. What would even make you consider? Even if we had another like influx of fifty thousand people here, if we became you know the climate refuge, that we could handle that. We we can't. We can't. And then yeah, in August of 2020, I think I got. I got a call from a Buffalo News reporter about the new census data that showed we have this sort of population growth in the city. And one of the big census tracts it saw, it was like, I think it was like 2704, which is just north of the Broadway market and is the Bengali community. Mm-hmm. And I, she's like, oh, that's great. They're going to come in and DIY this neighborhood back together. And I'm like, stop normalizing that it's someone else's responsibility to come in and fix the pathologies that exist in a given geography. It's not their responsibility to fix the streets and the sidewalks and the crumbling infrastructure, right? I said, you're normalizing business as usual for the city of Buffalo because someone else showed up in this vacant space. And here we are two Mm. years, two and a half years later, and we've got people in that community ticketed for right. DIYing it back together right. because they were out trying to help people. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, the other thing is like, this, oh, they're going to DIY this neighborhood, as though like the count, the city doesn't spend 
oodles of fucking resources on Hurdle and Elmwood. Right. So it's like, why do we normalize that someone else has to come in from outside to fix this space for you? And then when they do show up, we still ignore them and we're like, hey, you're still on your own. Like, and then we're going to ticket you for a driving ban because you're trying to help the refugees that, by the way, come from a place that gets shit tons of rain and is super hot and they're in a fucking blizzard with tons of snow. You've been warned, Bengalis. <laughs> You've been. <laughs> it showed up at your door, unfortunately. It down. And we're sorry. Uh, well, that was the blizzard of 22, gentlemen. It was uh, mm-hmm. something well, that we will never forget. Blizzard 1A of 22. Blizzard 1A of 2022. Right. Blizzard 1B of 2023 <laughs> coming soon. Who's to say? Um, and, and end up being uh, 2022 ended up being the snowiest year in Buffalo history. The calendar year. Yeah. Not the, not the winter, but the calendar, like January 2022 to December 22. In recorded history, the snowiest year. Tell me about global warming. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, thanks for joining us, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You know, this is going to be uh, some some episodes we do, guys, we, we look back on in the archives and we're like, wow, that documented a moment in time. And this one will be one that I will certainly remember um, because of such an extraordinary circumstance. But Jason, uh, you know, you've joined us so many times here. Like I said, we always joke about getting you a punch card, get you a free sandwich <laughs> uh, T-shirt. We have those around. Um, but where, where can we find you? What can we put out there for the folks if they want to find I'm you? I'm currently still angry and annoyed on Twitter at Jason Knight PhD. Um, anyone who wants to track me down can get me there. Um, DM requests, copies of papers, reports, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm there as long as, I don't know, I think I should get off there, but <laughs> I just can't. I did it for a while last year for a couple months and it was great. Now I'm like, right back. Ukraine got right back on because I wanted that yeah. to tell me what was happening and then it sucked me back in mm-hmm. so. yeah hard to, hard to quit that that hell site yes got any uh, got any irons in the fire anything you're working on any projects you want to get out there for the people or? yeah so i'm on sabbatical this spring doing uh housing affordability development sort of regulatory framework study to try to understand how it is that we can build affordable housing in the suburbs um which you know our suburban friends will probably cringe at mm. um but you know, exploring um what our zoning permits in the suburbs as it relates to the types of housing that um, affordable developers need to construct. So smaller multi-family unit kind of stuff. And where is it excluded? And, um, you know, where could we build it, you know, within a quarter or a half mile of an existing bus route um, to try to sort of deconcentrate the poverty, but also just increase the um, number of affordable housing units we have in this region since the, you know, the need is, you know, 40 something thousand um, households in the region are, um, rent burden. So, uh, you know, it's a monumental need, but we're trying to understand what, what the regulatory framework looks like in, in the region in the spring, if we, if we can and get something out in the, in, in, in the sort of community by the summer. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to, to peep that once it drops. Um, yeah. Till next time guys. All right. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Thanks.